God's people said. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at Psalm 37, verses 23 and following. 23 and 24. Steps ordered by God. We want to look at how the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord, uh, one translation says, and how God guides our lives and uh, what the final outcome will be because of that. <clears throat> the passage of Scripture in Psalm 37, 23 through 24 in New National Version says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I want you to do this really quick. Uh, this is just a little test. I want you to say silk, say silk five times. Silk, Now spell silk. What do cows drink? Very good. You're a smart group. That's what I wanted to know. Because if you say milk, some drink milk, some drink, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Um, I don't know if you remember, it was like when we, when I was growing up, you had Germany divided into West Germany and East Germany, and there's a place in between called No Man's Land. Um, <clears throat> a story uh, that I heard years ago was that an airplane was flying over it somewhere, you know, uh, the engine fails, other engine fails, and then the plane goes down, and it crashes in No Man's Land. So you're between East Germany and West Germany, and the question is, where do you bury the survivors? You don't bury the survivors. <laughs> they're, they're alive. So if, if, you're, if you're smart enough to catch those on this Wednesday night, you're doing okay. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're up with it, and you're there. When you look at our text today, I think this the verses that we look at mean that God guides our life and for believers especially and he guides i believe the final outcome so our steps as one translation says are ordered by god uh, or and as it said in the new international version they're firm uh, we we step on solid ground when i walk across from parsonage over here um, I, I i make a choice to walk across the grass rather than the gravel because the gravel is not firm uh you know i misstep i twist an ankle if i'm not careful but it's easier to walk on the grass until i find the gro gopher hole and and then all of a sudden i'm not on firm ground uh, the the picture here is that you're walking on solid ground with god it doesn't shift like the gravel does or like soft ground does uh you can walk with certainty I, I can put my foot down, and I know I'm going to be firmly resting on the solid ground. And so that is what we're looking at as we look at the words ordered by God. First of all, the steps of a good person. Um, as we think about the steps of a good person, I think you can divide that in a couple of ways. The first one is that steps imply progress. Steps imply progress. That if I'm moving forward, if I'm stepping, the idea is that I'm going somewhere. I'm progressing. I'm moving forward. Movement is made by lifting your foot and putting it down 
in a different direction. I keep moving forward a step at a time. Another way to think of it is I advance. I progress. Again, I move forward. When God says he'll order our steps, I think it implies that we're advancing in Christ. We're going to a destination. We're we're moving forward in him. We we don't sit still in Jesus. Uh, It's not like uh, you get saved and it's like, fine, you're done. It doesn't work like that. We, as the scripture says, work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We, we move forward in that. You, you can't steer a parked car. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. I, you remember, I don't know if you, some of you certainly do, uh, remember cars without power steering. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? You know, to try to turn a car. I remember one of the first cars I drove was a, my grandfather's pickup truck. And it did not have power steering. And trying to make a turn in that, you know, and I, I weighed probably 110 pounds or something like that when I started trying to learn how to drive. And just, you know, trying to wrestle even that, that car. You, but, but with a parked car, you can't steer it anywhere. It's not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Even if you turn the wheels, you're sitting still. The only way to progress spiritually, I think, is to put our foot forward step by step. And when we look at the Word of God, we're talking about moving forward in areas of our life. When he uses the the phrase, you know, the steps are ordered, uh, we understand he's not just talking about walking. He's talking about your life. And the overall leadership of God in that life as you move forward, that our lives are not done yet. So how do we move forward? Well, Well, you move forward in prayer, don't you? That you commune with God, you talk with God and, and visit with him and hear from him. You communicate what your needs are and you listen to what God wants you to do. You, you read his word. You come here and you open this Bible. You are at home and you have a time that you spend with God in that word, learning from him. I think like one of the songs, Bringing in the Sheaves, we do it through witnessing. We advance and grow and move forward by telling the story of Jesus, by telling what Jesus has done in our life. I think you do it by giving. It's an, giving is an act of worship, and I think it grows and stretches us in, in the times in which we look at ourselves and go, can I afford to give? It's can I afford not to give? Because it's a learning to trust God in that, that tithing and giving of ourselves and special times. And I think you can think of other areas in your life that would help you spiritually, but those are just a few that as I move forward, those small steps imply progress. I think also steps imply a small distance. A step is a small increment. Steps refer to small increments moving forward god doesn't expect us to fly does he he expects us to move forward step by step by step it's not like he drops us into this life after we become saved and expect us to do everything perfectly he understands allows for the fact that we're here and we want to be here and small steps will get us to that place 
you may not be a prayer warrior when you come to know Jesus. You may, you, it may be difficult to, to, to pray for a few minutes. I've met people like that. Then when they first came to know Jesus and you tell them, you know, yeah, how long you pray, and you maybe you tell them how long you pray, and they go, how can you think of that many things to pray about? You know, they, they, they're overwhelmed with the fact and if you, if you meet an actual prayer warrior, somebody who spends hours a day in prayer, that, you know, it, and you talk with them, how do they get? They got there by small steps. They didn't just immediately begin doing that. So I think it implies a, a small distance. You know, we can go hundreds of miles an hour in an airplane. Hopefully you don't go hundreds of miles an hour in your car. But, you know, unless you live in Texas, and then I guess <laughs> they pretty get pretty close there. You know, we can travel, let's say, 70 miles an hour on, on, the, on the highway. But, but humans have to do it one step at a time, don't we? We're not going to clip along like an airplane. We're not going to fly along like a car. We're going to take a step one step at a time if you've ever had to walk from a broken down car you know how incredibly long it takes to walk i mean if i had to walk to walmart it'd probably take me 30 45 minutes to to walk that far i don't think i could walk very very fast to get into town and go to walmart take me a few minutes in the car but the steps would take me a time i it the point i think in that idea that it implies a small distance is is that it's slow growing spiritually too. I've met some people who come to know the Lord and that they get frustrated with the amount of spiritual progress they may be making. Maybe they know people who seem more put together than they are and they're frustrated in making advancements in the Lord. But God knows the beginning and the end, and he knows how we get there. He usually leads us, if you read the scripture, one small step at a time. I, I think it requires trust. Have you ever played those games where they blindfold you and, or you close your eyes or whatever and you're supposed to lean back and, and have people catch you? You know, it's, it's an exercise in trust. You know, I've seen those where they just stood on the ground or sometimes they make them stand on a stool and fall backwards. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know if I trust these people or not. You know, I've been in those places where I'm just not quite sure whether I want to do that or not. But if I'm letting God lead me step by step, it is a matter of trust. So I go to him and say, God, what should I do? How should I live? Uh, what do you want me to do with my finances? What do you want me to do with my life? Those require trust. You, you look at the scripture in Psalms, it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It, it's, it, it illuminates the steps ahead. And as I read the scripture, I discover how to see those steps. And I interpret those steps because of this word. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I didn't know what I should do. I don't know how I should live. But I read this word, and it illuminates the entire path so that I know the steps that I'm taking. And I'm trusting God to lead me that way. There once was an elderly lady named Betty who went to a, a famous doctor on walking therapy. Uh, the doctor, uh, she went because uh, she, she was bent and she was stooped over. The doctor's waiting room was packed with patients, and when she arrived, uh, 
uh, they called her last name. Slowly she made her way uh, up to the uh, desk, completely bent over, in her offices. She's leaning on that walking stick. You've seen people like that before. When she returned to the waiting room later, to everybody's surprise, she came out briskly, walking almost upright. She was holding her head high. She had a smile on her face. And the people who had come with her were, you know, exclaiming, you know, they were so happy for her. Betty, it's unbelievable. You, 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 were, you walked over, doubled over. Now you walked erect. Well, what did the doctor do? What miracle did he do? Miracle, schmiracle. He just gave me a longer walking stick, you know. Sometimes we, we as we trust God, we discover that maybe he gives us something that helps us along the way. When I read the scripture, there are verses that have touched me, have they? And, they, and they just seem to resonate. And it's, it's like, like Betty, it's, it's just he gave me a different tool to live my life with. And that tool helped me to face life. You know, I tell the story, you know, I was uh, enrolling at OBU. And that, that week, uh, in the scripture memory that I was working on, it said, soft answer turns away wrath, grievous words stir up anger. And that was the verse I was working on that week. And I don't know if you've been to college in the past and tried to enroll they, in this building and you run across campus to that building and you run back over to this building and you go find this professor, the sinus class. And at least that's what we were doing that day. And, and it was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I running all over campus? Why don't you bring all these professors in one place, have us line up, we can go this line. This would be a lot simpler to do. In my head, I said that, you know. And, and outwardly, I said, thank you very much. I'll go find that building. And, you know, there were people behind me who were frustrated in line, in front of me who were frustrated in line. And I remember clearly that, that saying that verse over and over again, soft answer turns away wrath, grievous words stir up anger. And I could see it lived out that day, even at OBU, where people who were frustrated and having to do what seemed to be running through a rat's maze to get something done. And it wasn't the person's fault who I was talking to at the the window or wherever I was trying to enroll but that verse stuck with me and it did that day because it encouraged me to be kind to the people around me and smile and to be happy and I got through that experience and I I know it's it's a small thing right but yet it helped me to be calm and it reigned in what could have been an exceedingly frustrating experience because God gave me a tool to work with. And I'm sure you could quote times in your life where God spoke to you through the word and, or maybe someone said something in a sermon or someone sang a specific song and it touched your heart and God gave you a tool to make it through that week a step at a time. I think secondly, steps of a good person, when I think of what qualifies as a good person, what, what does that mean? What, uh, what being good is not? I think being good isn't that we don't do certain things. Like it, it's, it isn't just I don't do drugs or I don't drink or I don't have alcohol or I don't act promiscuity. Uh, I, I'm not that, it's not what I, you know, um, the, what was the old the expression? I don't smoke, I don't drink, and I don't go with girls that do, you know, that kind of rhyme that when we grew up in school, you, it's not just the things you don't do. I think of the, uh, 
the story of, of the brothers and the loving father. And here is the prodigal son who goes off and does all these things, right? And you have the brother who stays at home and doesn't do anything. But by the time you get to the end of that story, he's the one who's almost a villain in that story because of the way he act. He didn't do all that. I didn't, I didn't go do what this your son did. But you see in that that he still had a problem, didn't he? It wasn't, the, it wasn't lack of not doing some things. It was his attitude in the, what he did do, which was not accept his brother coming back. I, I don't think we are good because we are property owners or law-abiding citizens or, or we have uh, uh, degrees in something or we're born in a certain place. Jesus himself was addressed as good master, and he said, who is good but God alone? In him is no sin, but in us there's another matter, right? Even Jesus questioned that word good, what, what it doesn't mean. We look at Romans 3.10, he says, there's none is righteous, no, not one. Nobody is righteous. You read Isaiah in 64, 6, our best righteousness is but filthy rags in God's sight. So how can we be good? God orders a good man's steps. How can we be made good, I think, really is the question. How can we be made good? It's not that we're good because we're not. The Bible says we're not. It's not that our activities are even good enough for God to accept. They're not. How can we be made good? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your hearts God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's how goodness is imputed to us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we've seen this in the past few uh, sermons every time on Sunday morning. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all creation, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, trusting him for his salvation, they become a brand new person. They become good in God's eyes. That righteousness is given to him. The blood of Jesus, 1 John 1, 7 says, his son cleanses us from all sin. Being the case that then I've been made good by Jesus. I wasn't good before, but I have been made good. Not just what I don't do. I become good by what I do the way Jesus asked me to do it. Confess, believe, and he makes me good. Thirdly, ordered by the Lord. The steps are ordered by the Lord. God directs the affairs of both the visible and the invisible realms, right? That, that we can't see, you know, the powers in the air. We can't see all the, the battles that are going on in the Old Testament. How come the answer wouldn't come while well, I was fighting with the angel in the air, you know, before I got here? We don't see all that. But we see the other things around us. We, we see the visible. We see the things that happen around us every day and believe that God is ordering, mysteriously guiding the paths toward the best goodness for us, the best outcome for us. He directs. He allows us steps. Lost people don't cooperate with his will and 
he, they move around God like a rock in a river. They're still moving forward. God's not moving. They're moving the direction he wants them to go, even in spite of their acts of disobedience. But for those who cooperate us with the will of God, he can guide us in a much better path. He does this, I think, by twofold, by his word and by what the scriptures is the leadership of the Holy Spirit, by the direction of the Holy Spirit of God as he leads us in this life. Um, you ever go on the Illinois River? You know, get, you know, you know I, I've, I've gone where I've drugged that boat more than I've floated in that boat on the river before. There were some years where the, you know, the, the, the water was up and they'd go, oh, water's up, you know, be careful. And then the others, they go, well, the water's kind of down. You're going to be dragging the boat a little bit. And, you know, and I can, you know, you go on with youth groups and you try to get them to pick the boat up. They drag it a little bit more than it needs to be. Uh, but you begin to follow sometimes the people in front of you, don't you? And you say, they'll go, oh, on this side. Or there's a branch or there's a rock over here. Or, there's, and you, you follow them. You, you see where they're going. In essence, you're being led by them I read God's word in Psalm 119 133 order my steps in your word and let not my iniquity have dominion over me the psalmist realized that by closely adhering to the word of God the result would be freedom from the dominion of sin as we float down this river together God's word says hey on this side avoid this rock don't go over here it's, it's too dangerous. And he directs us on the right path that we should go. I think also he gives a special providence. In that special providence, he guides us. As our guide, he goes before us. And if we're sensitive, we can tell when to halt or turn aside from a certain direction. I can tell you how many times in my mind I've thought, you know, I need... It's almost as if I know I'm going to do something or need something for that day. And I've learned to listen to those impressions from the Holy Spirit. I need to be aware of something. I need to wait or I need to go or I need to expect something's going to happen. That I'm going to see somebody. And, and it, it, it happened recently where I, I was thinking about a person and sure enough, and this is in, this is in Edmond, and sure enough, I saw them that day. I, that's got to be leadership from God. I mean... I don't, I don't have, you know, woo, you know, special knowledge where I can see the future, but I do have a Holy Spirit who will guide me and teach me when I need to be where I need to be. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We need to stay the course because God will guide us. Scripture says he directs our steps. And I think the Holy Spirit directs the thoughts and and a affections and designs of good people i will give you the desire of your heart we've talked about that a number of times that it's not he gives us what we want but he puts within us the desires that we want proverbs 3 5 and 6 we looked at that recently trust the lord with all your heart lean not to your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths guide you so i think the holy spirit's role in all this is to lead to direct us where we need to go. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I can be led by God, or I can ignore that inner 
push to go a certain direction, to be a certain place, or to wait maybe and not be in such a hurry. Uh, I heard a story of a, a guy who was doing hang gliding uh, for the first time. We had a guy that lived across the street from us, and he had one of those um, um, power glide things that looks like a... Um, uh, you rent on a fan boat in Louisiana. We went down and did that. And basically, to me, it's like strapping on a fan boat with a, with a uh, parachute and just flying. That's what it, that's what it was. It's, you know, it's got a it's giant propeller, and, you know, you hang it on a parachute, and you, which is kind of wing-shaped, and you go out and fly. And I remember the first time he backed that out of the garage, I was going, there's a brave man. <laughs> you know, it's like strap, strap a fan on the back of you and jump, you know, and go. I just, that was crazy. The first time, the guy said he was initially scared to death and, and doing that, but he but was assured it would be all right with the lessons he took. And then once, you know, you ask him, what's it like? He said, it's spectacular. I mean, you, you know, you're, you, you are literally like a bird. You go the direction you want to go. You, you want to go. It's not like hang gliding where you, you're just controlled falling. <laughs> it's all that is. This was, he could go up, he could go down, he could go left, he could go right. It was spectacular. It was scary. But it was spectacular. And I think that's what it's like to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's scary sometimes. It really is. To do what God leads you to do. It's, it's like you said, I can't do that. But you were led to do it. The Spirit led you to, to be a, a music worship leader. And was it scary? Yeah. But, but God led you in that thing. I think as we think about that, I, that, that God alters the events for our good. Around us, he alters them. By, by his providence, he, he overrules the events that may be destructive to us. He protects us. And it doesn't mean he orders only good events, though. I, I don't want you to you know, get confused and think that everything you walk through is going to be great. It's not. Going through cancer is not great. It wasn't exciting, but I could feel God's leadership as I went through that. It was a test. It was an experience. It prepared me for other things, but it wasn't, it didn't feel good to go through that. I think many of those experiences may be losses. They may be hardships, but yet God is there with us, growing us spiritually and maturing us. There'll be times when we face problems, obstacles, setbacks, disappointments, things like that. But I know that God is leading and guiding, and I, I trust in the goodness of God, Romans eight twenty five. He knows what he's doing, and everything will work out for the good, Romans eight twenty eight says, right? So I believe him, that he is working and leading and getting us to the place we need to go. I, I you know, it's, Teresa made a, uh, a nut bread this week. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was so good. I mean, you know, she put in uh, pepitas, you know, and then uh, uh, sunflower seeds and some other seeds and baked it in the bread and, you know, and it's on top of the bread. And, and I think about all the things that are involved in that, making that, all that she had to do to go through that. And the end result was delicious. But some of those things individually, if I tried to eat them, spoonful of flour wouldn't have been good you know but yet she's able to put that together and make something 
that I enjoy. God takes all those things in my life and puts them together and out comes a joyous thing. But what if you messed up God's plan? What if you didn't go the direction you were supposed to go? Every once in a while, a good person gets sidetracked and they become messed up. I was talking with a young man today and um, um, he learned that I was a minister and and he began to share with me his testimony of where he had been and where he came and and uh, think of Wicca and Satan worship and all sorts of horrible things that you can imagine uh, he was sharing with me because he went down a dark path and yet his mother got him to go to church on Thanksgiving to eat the Thanksgiving meal. Just come to church, eat the meal, then you can go home. And he heard a message, and it changed his life. That thing, things do happen like that. Things do change your life. And even though we may have messed up God's plan, God can redirect us. Now he's married, he's got a little baby, he wants to be a minister, all because his mom got him to go to Thanksgiving dinner at church. And he had gone down a dark path and it brought him back. I think of Noah. Noah's the kind of person that's like that. He was a drunk. Really, wasn't he? I mean, he was. Uh, you, you look at him. King David killed a man. Uh, Peter swore and he cussed. And yet God turned their lives around and used them. Romans 3.23, for all of sin that come short of the glory of God. But the good thing is that when we have messed up, God will not utterly cast us down for the Lord upholds them with their hands. When you messed up, God doesn't cast you away. When you didn't step where you were supposed to, uh, he forgives you and gives you another chance to get back on the path. He gets you where you need to go. We looked at the potter this last week. You know, he, he takes the marred vessel and fixes it and uses it for his glory. Psalm 37, 24, again, though he fall, yet he will not utterly be cast down. The Lord upholds him with his hand. God makes allowances for our stupid mistakes. Praise the Lord. You know, he orders us. Ellie Braun lived in Canada. She had decided to see her mother in a nearby city, the snow had started coming down. And a small voice inside her said, head home now, don't try to go. Remember a few years ago that happened to our kids. We were living in Missouri, and uh, the kids started out on I-35 coming up to where we were. And as they passed across the Oklahoma border into Kansas, they closed I-35 behind them. And then it was just follow the lights in the truck in front of you and never stop. You know, we encouraged them to, you know, look, if you need to pull over and somewhere between here and where we're at, pull over and don't. It was so bad that when they finally got to where we were, they were just driving around in circles. They couldn't see the street signs. And so we went out to the street to find them. Just keep driving around. Well, it's small enough town where we were at at that time. We could find them. And we found where they were. And got him to the house. Ellie Braun was in that same circumstance. What should have been an hour and 15 minutes turned out to be a three hour and 45 minute trip. And 
you know, she got this voice in her mind that said, turn off and exit and sleep at your brother's house. No, I, I, want, I, I want to keep going. And so she passed the exit. She said, I couldn't believe my eyes. There was no place to go and nothing to do. I could only watch mesmerized and hope my vehicle could get out of the way before I was almost struck by another driver slipping and sliding on the road. Luckily, she said, he passed me just barely. And all I could think was, the next time I hear that small voice, I'm going to listen to it. And I think we learn that way, that God orders our steps and that we are not cast down. We are not sorrowful. We are not dejected when we make mistakes. But God orders and leads and guides us in those small steps. Although we may be moving forward incrementally, a step is still moving forward. So don't become depressed if things don't go as fast as you would like for them to go. Don't get turned around. Don't get off the path. But stay on the road God has led, and you will get to the destination he has promised. Let's look at our prayer list. There were a couple of names that were on there to start with. It's on the front row uh, that we can look at this evening. to ask for a prayer for her. 